So we are uh, talking about just sex again. And uh, this week we're talking about just sex and whole love. So how do we love wholly? And what does all of that mean? How do we adjust community? How do we make sex just sex and not something more than what it is? So those are all some of the questions we're going to be playing around with. I'm going to go back to the scripture we've talked about every time that I've preached. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. And we talked about God's answer for loneliness as intimacy, to know and be known and loved. So Tim Keller says something to the effect of to be known, to be, to be loved but not known is not really what we're after. It's too, it's too superficial. To be known but not loved is what we're really afraid of, which is why we don't share. But to be known and loved as we are is the intimacy that we're seeking and, and, and a taste of the love that God has for us, who is the only one who really knows us and really loves us unconditionally. But when we glimpse that in, in a relationship, whether it's a marriage or other relationship, when we can be naked and not ashamed, that is an amazing thing and a glimpse uh, of God's glory, God's fire, God's um, love for us. So intimacy with the Creator is really the first thing, primary thing, an intimacy in a covenant community like the church, and intimacy in marriage and that covenant and that family. Um, but I added this from the last time I showed this slide, but commitment should equal intimacy. So we can't have the intimacy without the commitment. And I, maybe you guys have seen uh, some kind of triangles where, where as you get closer to someone, you, you need to have the commitment be equal to the intimacy. If you go too quick to the intimacy, and you, you jump in bed before there's any commitment, for example, that really wrecks things. But if you can keep the commitment with or ahead of the intimacy, you come to a real um, union that we talked about in this uh, in this passage. Let me just jump ahead. Should have made this a little bigger. But that that intimacy and passion and commitment in one place equal, and that the triangle gets bigger as you have more of each of those. Let me back up to this um, where we see that at last the man exclaimed, "This." One is bone from a bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So that th those different parts of that love. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. That intimacy of nakedness and no shame came with the commitment of this covenant commitment in a in a community. We talked about how that's a that's a covenant commitment that includes the creator and the couple and the community all in that commitment. So um, in sexual relationships, we talked about how it's criminal if there's no consent. It's consumer if there's just consent by an adult couple to give their bodies. And to be honest, some marriages are this way too. Living together, we said, is really this way. It's like, well, if you're not going to put out enough for me, then I don't know if this is going to continue. As soon as you bring out the possibility of breaking that commitment, it becomes a consumer relationship. Where like, I might break the ca contract if you don't fulfill your part of the contract. A covenant is different than a contract. Um, and so we are looking for covenant. And we said 
it needs consent by the creator and the couple and the community to completely unite a couple, a man and a woman, for life in their finances, in their legal, in their social, in their children, in everything they have to be united in that covenant commitment. Um, but I want us to think about we can put too much pressure on the couple thing. As I thought about this more, I thought, you know, the fact is that in our society these days, the only real covenant commitment people have is a marriage, if they have a covenant commitment in marriage. And that's why we're so into marriage, because it's the only place we're not a consumer. It's not a contract. But really, it's meant to be more than that. Other relationships are also supposed to be moving from criminal to consumer to covenants. Because we should have covenants with your creator and with the church. Did you guys notice we just did a covenant this morning with Carissa? She made vows. She committed to be part of us. And we committed to be part of her. Now, let's be honest. Most churches, most of the time in churches, we're consumers. We're like, you know, let me see if it's a good deal. Let me see if they have good preaching, good worship, if they have a good kids program. I might stick around. I might even contribute. I might even, you know. But what we long for is a covenant. We long for people who are committed to us for life. And let me tell you, there are some people in this congregation who are committed to this church, and they've done it for life. And you know who they are. <laughs> Right? I like our elders, the Holmgrens, and the Julie Thompson, um, the Iversons, um, the, the other people who've been around, and some of you have been around here last time, but you're, you're committed to this place in a covenant commitment. And you're committed to a few people in this place in some really deep ways. And there are some of our small groups where there's some really deep commitment. Now, some of you are saying, oh, I, I wish I could have that. Well, Welcome. This is a place where strangers become friends and friends become family. And family implies that there's a covenant, that we're committed to something more than a consumer relationship. And if you're a stranger, I don't expect you to jump right into that. And if you're just a friend, just an acquaintance, you know, come to Doorways to Ministry like Carissa did, figure out what this place is all about, figure out if you really want to make that kind of commitment. But the thing is, you need to make the commitment. All right? Don't expect people to commit to you unless you've made the commitment. The intimacy doesn't come when you're not committed. Yeah, you really have to commit to, some, to a small group, to a, a ministry, to some deeper relationships. And it takes time. And, a, and we're an imperfect place. We're a dysfunctional family. We admit it, but we're a family. We, none of us are completely functional. But there's a possibility of that. And our families are also part. We talked about how the gift of singleness is a gift to the congregation, a gift to the kingdom. Your singleness is a great asset to us. And your marriage, if you're married, is a great asset to us. And we need to be willing to live that. We also need to have family and, and from some deeper friendships and some community to unite completely for life. Now, you're all are going, yeah, I don't know about you guys. I don't know about 
So what is it that keeps us? As I thought about this, I thought, what is it that keeps us from that? And I thought, you know, it's what we want is control. So I didn't put that C up there, but control is why we don't commit, right? We want to make a contribution. When you come to church, you want to put some money in the offering. You don't want to make like a commitment to support whatever happens here. Although when you become a member, that's what you do. You want to give a little of your time, but you don't want to like commit so that when somebody is really in difficulty, you're going to be with them. But you'd like to have somebody do that for you, right? So um, I was I was listening to uh, to um, I think his name is Justin Lee and Preston Sprinkle were having a debate and dialogue about about some of the uh, the uh, LGBTQ issues and what that means and is is marriage okay and it, um, is a committed marriage okay for Christians was the question one of them was on one side one was on the other and the, and Justin Lee was saying was saying Think about no marriage. Imagine if there was no marriage. You could not get married or your marriage was going to be dissolved. That's what you're asking LGBTQ people to commit to, to empathize with that. And I think he's right. We need to empathize with that. And we need to be the kind of place, if we want people to be committed in their singleness for whatever reason it is, we need to be the kind of place where we can be family or people. Because the truth is, he was saying, we don't necessarily even want sex. We just want somebody who's going to show up when we're sick and be there when we're old and be there... It's true. Most churches, and they both talked about it, it's true. Most churches aren't that. We're just kind of a club or maybe a corporation or maybe a crowd, but we're not a covenant community. Now, I say that, but we are. There is an aspect which this church is a covenant community. I see it. Now, we have a big push and a big pull from our, from our society to not do that. And to say, well, let's just let the government take care of it. So there's a real pull. Um, Robert Putnam talks about this in bowling alone, that people used to be part of clubs and 4-H and Kiwanis and other stuff, bowling leagues, that they got together. But the push now is toward either let the government do it or it's all individualism. And so individuals should take care of that or the government should take care of that. But the middle space of clubs and neighborhoods and, and uh, churches is empty and people are lonely people are afraid people are lost because our society is losing that kind of commitment and cohesion but you know what this is a place that is unique this is one of the churches i'm not saying we're the only church but one of the churches where that happens where some people really commit and you are all at different stages of commitment some of you have been here for decades some of you have been here for two weeks that's okay, um, but it's a place where you could commit to a covenant kind of commitment to each other. But then you can't just sit back and criticize and say, well, I wish they'd do this, I wish they'd do this. you got to say, we need to do this. What am I going to do about it? So, by the way, uh, if you looked at your bulletin, there's an opportunity to serve at the bottom there. Isn't it great we have children's program? We need people to work in the children's program. Um, and you have an opportunity to do that. Now, we don't just let anybody work in the children's program. We have to do a little vetting process. Um, people want it to be a safe place where strangers become friends and friends become family. Um, and so I'm inviting you to, um, so 
this is moving, we're doing money, sex, and power, right? So I'm hinting toward the power thing. Because to be a covenant community, you've got to give up power. You've got to give up control. You've got to give up some control of your money. I thought about Benesta. I thought about, you know, Benesta is so totally committed to his family, to his church. When he, we would go there, he would, he would take the bus for hours to bring us some stuff to get a, to, to get a uh, residence permit, all that kind of stuff. And am I committed to him as much as he was committed to me? To his wife's medical expenses as much as he's committed to, to me? Africans do this better. Um, at least traditional Africans ideally do it better. Okay, we know it's, and not everything's perfect, but people have extended families that they, they know that their family is their insurance, and so they invest in their family. We have institutionalized it all. So we don't loan money to each other. We loan it to somebody who gives us interest, who loans it to somebody else who we don't know, who gets interest, to, who, buy, who pays interest, and we invest here and there. We don't know if that investment's doing good. Anyway, money's next time. But money, sex, and power are connected. If we're going to be a covenant community, we need to submit our bodies and our money and our power to each other to God and to the community. So um, back to covenant love. We just finished three, three years on the uh, books of Moses, and you thought we'd never talk about it again. But no, we're back there. Um, we talked about this. Listen, O Lord, O Israel, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh alone. Talked about idolatry. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. And you must love Yahweh your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. So it's a commitment, a wholehearted commitment to all of the commands, which are summarized by, well, we'll get there, loving Yahweh alone with your whole self. So whole love that produces real justice in a community and justice with God is giving your whole self, all of your heart, your soul, your strength, to Yahweh alone. So we talked about, this is way back in our, the ziggurat that Andrew was bringing up, um, which had a temple at the top, the Tower of Babel, the idolatrous thing that that was. Um, and what is an idol? A little reminder from Tim Keller. What's an idol? It's anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you, but only God can give. We talked about that sex can be that. It can absorb your heart and your imagination, and you can seek to get what you need from it. Marriage can be that. Uh, money can be that. Power can be that. All, lots of things can be that. Um, so we talked about the Lord, Yahweh alone, is supposed to be at the top, the thing that we seek. But it can be love stories, finding the one that can absorb our heart and our imagination. And um, even when we're married, I wish I had the one, or when we're hoping to be married, if I had been... It was that can seek. Um, so love can be there, like it was for Jacob. When he saw Yahweh at the top, and then, he, oh, he met Rachel and forgot all about Yahweh. And uh, we talked about then that you always go to bed with Rachel and wake up with Leah because false gods never fail to fail. So if marriage is your goal, it's never going to, it's going to disappoint you. If it's going to be, so marriage can be an idol. And this is something that's come up again and again. Marriage is an idol for many 
in the evangelical church, we make marriage the thing. And if you're like 30-something and you're not married, we're like, so what's, what's up? What's, what's going on? Are you seeing anyone? Implying you're not a real complete person until, I mean, okay, we can share with each other. We can ask what's going on. That's not a problem. But the implication that marriage will complete you Marriage somehow makes you better. That marriage is the goal makes singles feel like they're left out. And then we tell people, for example, who are same-sex attracted, you have to be single. You can't, uh, you can't get married. Well, that's not fair if we're saying marriage is the goal. You get it? If marriage becomes an idol, then we can't tell people you can be complete and fulfilled without marriage. And then, of course, what happens to the people who are married is it also turns out to not be quite as good as they end up waking up with Leah and going, oh, you know, this isn't all I thought it was going to be. You following me? If marriage becomes an idol, false gods never fail to fail. It's a good thing. God made it. Sex is a good thing. God made it. Enjoy it. But don't make it an idol. Yahweh alone. So, Jesus picks this up, and when they asked him, what is the most important commandment? Now, Jesus did not say, forget all the other commandments. He said, here's my summary. Here's the point. You've got to look into the details. He didn't undo those commandments. Um, he didn't say, oh, forget about don't commit adultery. That doesn't really matter anymore. No, no, he said, here's the summary. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So these are the base of the commandments. We need the details, like don't commit adultery. Sex is all, sexual intercourse is only for inside of marriage. We need those details. Okay? Because if some people have gone to the extent of saying, you know, this is all there is. This is all that matters. As long as you're loving, it doesn't matter. You following me? Have you heard that? As long as you're loving, you could have, you know, a wife and a girlfriend. As long as you're loving, you know, you could have a, a husband and a husband. A wife and a wife. You, you know, as long as there's love in a same-sex union, it can be loving. you got to go back to the details, which says don't commit adultery and doesn't have any positive things to say about homosexual sex. Now, we do need good, committed relationships, including same-sex relationships. We'll get there. We need Jonathan and David. But Jonathan and David didn't have sex. They just had a fantastic covenant commitment. Okay? Um, so we need to bring our whole self. We talked about this last time. We're going to give a whole love. You need to bring your whole self, including the dirty basement that you don't want anybody to see. I talked about how I grew up with wrong expectations that sex was going to be everything and that I could not have any sexual feelings or um, any... That, that a lot of things that weren't in Scripture were wrong. 
that any sexual feelings or imaginations or fantasies were all lust, that any time I touched myself, that was all lust, that I, I had unrealistic expectations over there as a young person, okay? And I had unrealistic expectations of everything that sex was supposed to be. So the world and the church, well, okay, it was a lot of my messed up thinking. I can't blame everybody else. I had unrealistic expectations. And if we are going to be a whole covenant community, we need to realize that God built the basement. He built your sexual desires. And if you're single, if you're handicapped, if you're old, if you're whatever, you still have, you're still a sexual person. You're a male and a female. And you come to all these relationships as a male and a female, or a female. <laughs> Most of us don't do both. Um, male and a female. Male or a female. Excuse me. <laughs> You come, we are relating to each other as whole beings. And here's what happens because we've been harmed, because we've been missed things, because we've been hurt, because we're afraid of our sexuality, we don't bring our whole selves. Right? Somebody comes to give you a hug and you're like, right? Because you're afraid. Now, Cultures are different here, and the African cultures don't like to hug quite like the, like the Scandinavians these days, strangely, um, like to hug. Um, so things, things have changed, you know, figure out which kind of hug is appropriate for the person here, or maybe a handshake is appropriate. But what I'm saying is, when we don't bring our whole selves, and the church has been a place where you couldn't bring your whole self sometimes. You couldn't really bring your sexual self honestly. If you had same-sex desires, you couldn't talk about that, honestly. And let's be honest. There are people here who have same-sex desires. There are people here who have had same-sex relationships. And we need to let them, we're going to welcome you. I don't know about them. It's not them, it's us. Welcome. Whatever your thing is, wherever you've fallen, wherever you're tempted, wherever you're um, having a good thing going, you're welcome. Now we are a welcoming and transforming congregation. We're not a welcoming and affirming everything you've ever done congregation or everything you've ever imagined congregation. We, you are welcome, truly welcome. And, and I want you to get the welcome here, okay? Let me say, for my own, because of my own situation, I was sometimes the younger brother who went and squandered his wealth with prostitutes. Okay? And immediately I done that, I come out of the basement and I get a scolding from my older brother, who was me too. What, what are you thinking? Why did you look at that? Why do you... You get what I'm, you get what I'm saying? Now, some of us can be younger brother when it comes to sex. We go off and do this and that. Some of us can be older brother. I managed to do both. Okay? I managed to be both doing things I didn't want to do and proud that I was a virgin when I got married. That was just the grace of God, folks. If it had been all up to me and some of the things I wanted, it might not have happened that way. But, God was gracious. Now, you get what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, 
I want to become the Father. And I want this community to be the Father. So that you come from squandering your wealth with prostitutes, and we say, welcome, and we give you a big hug, and you say, you can be a member and a a son and a daughter. And when you come with your attitude about how you're better than everybody else and I'm not going into the party, we say, come on into the party. Let's, let's have a party. Sure, there's people who've squandered their wealth with prostitutes, but come on in, even with your spiritual pride. You get what I'm saying? Spiritual pride is no better than adultery. Um, so we can be either one of those people. And I have been both of those people, and I tend to switch back and forth, but I long to be the Father. And I, as I've experienced the Father's hug and His saying, you are my beloved Son. You bring me great joy. I've been able to feel that, live that, appropriate that, and then share that. And this is the kind of community that I want us to be that we are becoming already where, you know, Wednesday nights when the guys get together and we watch a video about married sex and then we talk about what we're really dealing with, it's pretty honest. And that's pretty cool. To be honest, that group, even preaching to you, is healing to me. Being honest with you in church actually heals my hypocrisy or my uh, shame or whatever it is. Not that I'm trying to do therapy with you all, but um, thank you for being an authentic community where I can share honestly what I'm doing. Now, I have not shared everything with you. There are some people I have. But I want you to find some people who you can share what's really happened to you, how you're really feeling. And this is the kind of place you can find that. I'd welcome you to that, to open up your basement, open up the windows, Open up the door and let God come in and transform your basement and let some people come in. Now, you're going to have to let some people come in when it looks like that, if it's ever going to get to look like that. Most of us want to wait till it's all cleaned up before we have anybody over. But we're going to have to welcome a few friends to come and help us clean up the basement and help us fix it up before we can ever get to that, right? But we want to share our basement, the main floor, with our community, at least some people in the community. Are you with me? Am I speaking too many metaphors here? So how do we get... um, Okay. Pursuing covenant love. First place is with the Creator. Covenant love with Yahweh, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We talked about how the whole thing of those first five books of Moses is about creating this covenant community, this people that belongs to Yahweh, that He's got a love relationship with, that He is married to. That is our primary marriage, our primary intimacy, our primary commitment. Not only individually, but Yes, definitely individually and as a community with Yahweh. And in family. We should be committed to each other in our families. And then in the church, a covenant commitment 
where we're not only called out of sin, but into kin. Um, Chris Vandercoy challenged me. He said, you know, I think a lot of times we don't get to the root. We just try to, like, say, don't, don't sin. Somebody, some, who was it? Maybe it was you compared it to uh, at their work. There's a, there's a sign over the sink that says, don't put the drain in wrong. Doesn't even, no picture about how the drain is supposed to go. Um, sometimes we feel like the church can do that to us. Don't mess up sexually. How do I do that? Right? No details. But we want to be not just saying, calling you out of sin. We want to be not just saying no. We want to be saying yes to all that God has. And part of what God has is not only calling you out of sin, but into kin, into being a family, into a covenant family where we're committed to each other. You following me? Um, and it needs to be in particular relationships as well. So you can't be letting everybody in your basement to clean out the mold. But you need some people who come into your basement. Some people who are praying with you. Some people who you show, hey, this is a closet that needs some prayer. This is a closet I, I need you to help me with. Um, and so some of those particular relationships, we've got some good examples in Scripture. Ruth and Naomi. You know, there was no reason why Naomi had to hang out, or Ruth had to hang out with Naomi. She had nothing to offer anymore. But these two widows were tight. And Ruth gave what she had to Naomi, who had nothing. And Naomi brought it along, and turned out Naomi did have something. But, you know, would you hang out with that bitter old woman, Naomi? She called, she called herself bitter. Um, but Ruth committed to her and did everything she could. And then it turned out she was welcomed into the covenant community of the, of Bo, with Boaz as a kin. And this beautiful thing happened. And, the, and, uh, and well, it ended up with David. And, the, and uh, it was all about this covenant relationship between two women. And, you know, I've seen some amazing, especially on the mission field, you see some, some women who live together, commit to, you know, a life together. And uh, on a mission station, there can be some, uh, you know, and Julie Thompson and the Newhouse sisters and, and the way the Newhouse sisters were part of us, many of you don't remember them, but um, there can be some great, David and Jonathan is a great example. Um, and I had a best friend with, with that kind of commitment together. Jesus and Peter, James, and John and the disciples. Paul and Silas and Barnabas and Timothy. Paul recommends singleness, but he doesn't practice aloneness. He was always part of a, a team, a couple. <laughs> um, he, had a, he had people who were mentoring him, people he was mentoring, people who were um, close. So I want to encourage you to pray to God about who you might be able to be really honest with, really financially, maybe legally, socially, um, committed to each other. And of course, I mentioned the cost already. It costs giving up control. Letting somebody else look at your budget. Letting somebody else know what's happening in your bedroom because you need somebody to talk to about it. Um, the uh, 
so avoiding sin. Sin is seeking what God wants to give you in a way he has not designed. God wants you to have great sex. He's got a plan for that called marriage. And he's got a plan for how it has to happen in marriage. Then again, it might not be his plan, but he still wants you to have covenant committed love in some way, even if you're single. And the covenant community is part of how he wants to do that. Um, so the, the this thing of... Um, anyway, think about that. And you can think about just about any sin. Obviously, stealing is what? Trying to get the financial blessing God wants for you by not by taking it yourself, right? Pornography is, is trying to get um, that um, high that or a romantic novel or erotica or whatever, trying to get that higher that or that uh, orgasm or whatever, but not in the way that God wanted you to get it. Right? And the thing is, it doesn't satisfy. When you get what God designed and not the way he designed it, it doesn't satisfy. So the beauty of pornography is that you can get what you want like that. Click, click, click. Turns out real relationships aren't at all like that. But it turns out when you get it through pornography, it's not at all satisfying. So you can get a woman to, to perform exactly what you want and take off her clothes and do whatever you want with pornography, but she's not a real woman. She doesn't really know you and love you as you are. It's temporary, feels good, but you know, and you know what happens? The next thing is you... You isolate yourself even more because you don't want to share who you, who you are and what's really going on. I, I couldn't share that at church. So now you isolate yourself more and more. And the real relationships you want, so then you got to go back to pornography to get, get what you're missing from real relationships. And actually, uh, this is something Chris was saying, even movies and TV and whatever, are, we, are they actually just kind of one-dimensional um, images that aren't really what we're after? He said, I wonder what would happen if we just shut off our TVs and our screens and everything else for even a week. We might end up calling somebody we've meant to be calling for a long time. We might end up having real relationships. We might call somebody because we're just bored. But when we're entertained, we don't have to have relationships. Somebody... Um, Lives, has lived here a long time. So what is it with Minnesotans that they're always in a hurry to get home to, to what? What is it that they go back to do in their homes? You know, we don't hang out after, you know, like, okay, we're going to have, we're gonna have uh, after church here, we could have two or you could talk to some people, but you'll be on your way to something. What is it? Well, I mean, you usually have something planned. Of course, there's the Vikings game, but the Vikings game isn't really all that satisfying. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, at least this season, it's not going to be all that satisfying. I don't know. Um, so, so we need to tell people not just don't eat garbage, but freely eat this nutritious fruit. That's what God said. He didn't just say, 
don't eat from this one tree. He said, freely eat from all these trees I created for you. Jan teaches nutrition, and one of the, one of the things, principles for kids is just have lots of good nutritious options and good nutritious meals. And then, um, and, and occasionally a good nutritious snack. And then let kids pick anything they want. I told you that's what we did with media. We had, they could pick any DVD we had. We just didn't have a internet connection or an antenna or a cable. So if you put nutritious options out, here's the thing. God has good nutritious food for you. Real relationships with complete people. Now, they're messy people. I know they don't talk about the things you want and their politics might not be the same and whatever. You can find a channel where people speak exactly what you think already. But it's a lot more fun to have a relationship with somebody who might disagree with you about some things. You might even learn something. Right? Um, so we need whole relationships with whole people. That might take a whole lot of time. But it could be really satisfying. Um, and maybe that's in your family. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in the church. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. Um, maybe you need maybe there's some, some all of that. Um, and finally, when, avoiding sin. When you fall, get up and reconnect with God. Um, so... We are vulnerable. Um, let me just go through a, a few things. We're vulnerable. We remain vulnerable for a lot of reasons. Human nature is weak. Culture, family, peers, pop culture is misleading. Okay, let me talk about it this way. We struggle because all these things conspire against us. So human nature, we're weak, but we can depend on God. There's a high priest who knows everything and he give us strength in our weaknesses and grace. Culture is doing all this and misleading, but we can discern and be part of a different culture. Biology, yeah, your DNA is set up to reproduce. Your hormones are, are expanding. Your brain is trained for pleasure and gets in a loop. But you can steward your body and give it to God. Um, spiritual forces are trying to tempt you, trying to deceive you. But you can submit to God and submit your thoughts and your life to God. And, and our history means that some of us are starved and we're hungry in certain ways. Or some of us are wounded when we're afraid in other ways. And so we're wary. But we need to connect with each other. That's what I was just talking about. We need to connect with real relationships even despite our wounds, despite our shame, despite our, our hunger. Um, so I wanted to review quickly. We talked about sex as fire last time and talked about how love and sex are powerful. They're positive if they're just and contained. And they're not just private but public. So my sexuality is part of this congregation and yours is part of ours. We, if we're going to come as whole people. And then we can have also a just community. We talked about how the, the Ten Commandments, we talked about do not commit adultery, is about what kind of community we're going to have. I want you to imagine what a community would be like if you knew that everybody was being 
wholly loving and being, well, just not committing adultery and not lusting. Can you imagine how we could relate to each other if we knew that as a community we were committed to that? And if somebody was talking to your husband or wife, you didn't have to be like, and if somebody gave up and gave you a hug, you weren't like, because we knew that our minds and our intention and our thoughts and our eyes and our bodies were really committed to God, committed to each other. So we all want to have a place where people are committed to us, and I can do whatever I want. But if we were really committed to loving each other as we love ourselves, and of course that's what Paul says, when you, when you as a husband love your wife, it's like loving your own body, because we're one flesh. But if we loved each other as we love ourselves, and if we followed the ethic, so the world says, oh, that's so oppressive and so much bondage and so tight. But then they complain whenever they end up getting burned because somebody didn't stay in the tight, right? They want somebody to be completely committed to them and also not want to change them at all, right? I want to... I want a marriage to a hot babe who will totally accept me and not want to change me. Ain't going to happen. Because it turns out you ain't all that good. And you need somebody to make you holy. And we need each other, not only in our marriages, but in our covenant community to make each other holy. But that only happens if we bring our whole self to each other. As long as I've got some parts of myself hidden, it's never going to get cleaned up, fixed up, dealt with. My basement's still going to smell when you walk into the house. What, what, what's that about? Oh, it's all fine. Spray a little. Um, right? But if we could welcome each other to each other's houses, I mean, that's just a practical thing. Actually, Literally, not only figuratively. Um, in fact, I want you to... So I also put this, uh, decided to put this back up because when we were having our board retreat, uh, our leaders retreat um, a couple years ago, somebody talked about how our society has moved from sitting around the wood stove to sitting around the TV to sitting around with our separate screens, usually in our separate rooms. And that's just in the house. Never mind how much we actually get out of the house to see each other. Never mind having somebody else over to sit around the wood stove. We talked about how sex and love can be that kind of wood stove that, that creates the warmth in a home. And it can be that kind of thing when it's in control and it's contained and it's just. It can be the kind of energy that makes a community warm, loving, just. So we talked about love and sex requires learning and work and giving time requires an honest community. As we've been doing this uh, sex for married women and married men, I thought about this verse that says, older women should teach the younger how to love their husbands. I never used to think about that in a sexual context, but some of the, some of the guys were saying, well, who's supposed to teach us how to do this stuff? Uh, where, you know, so we've got some books we can recommend, we've got some other things, but we all, might also need some honest conversations with some people who could tell us how to do some things. So are the older women in our congregation teaching younger women how to love their husbands, maybe with food, maybe with sex, maybe with, and also vice versa, how to love your spouse. And are we teaching 
people who aren't married, how to live a chaste life. And are we giving enough love and relationship and whole love to each other so that we're not hungry all the time? All fire and love on earth comes from the fire above. We talked about that last time, that all that wood comes from the sun, and any love we have here comes from Yahweh. We were created in the image of God, male and female, and when we relate to each other, it's his fire that's burning, warming us. And I, let me tell you, Bethel Christian Fellowship itself is a unique community. It's pretty cool. My, my kids, uh, well, my, my younger twins, found a church that has a Swahili service and a Cambodian service and a Nepali service and, and a place where they go out, they eat, go out to eat most Sundays afterwards. And they were looking for Bethel Christian Fellowship in Chicago, and they pretty much found it. And they're members. This happens to be Mennonite, but they're, they're Mennonites because they found this. And my uh, Justin and Hannah are both actually looking for churches. And they were part of this when they were in McAllister. And they keep saying, well, you know, I wish I could find something like Bethel. Because Justin was talking, just talking about, I got this church, and it's really, it gives a lot of real intellectual stuff. And, and it's really good thinking. I like that. But everybody's the same social class. And they're all white. Um, they're all kind of like university people. But Bethel's unique. In having, he was saying, in having people who are doctors and people who are, are you know, all the whole socioeconomic spectrum, as well as a lot of different cultures and places where people came from, and men and women and singles and marrieds and older and younger, and this is a pretty cool place. I'm so glad to be part of it. So glad I've been able to be here for the last three years and 30 years as a pastor and uh, 38 years or something, when I was starting from when I was in college. Um, it's pretty cool to be part of this. And yeah, we're still learning to get to know each other. You're still learning to get to me, because a lot of you have only known me for three years, really. I'm still getting to know you. And we can only go so deep with so many people, right? You don't have to know everybody. But find somebody who you can open up to a little more. And maybe a little more in your family, or you've got a good friend or, a, or somebody in your neighborhood. It doesn't all have to be right here. Um, <clears throat> but so let me, let me give a last, a last verse. You know this is a favorite verse of mine, but it applies pretty well to this as well as many other things. When it comes to this topic, Romans 12, 1 and 2, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you in view of God's mercy. It should say. I know this is NLT. I guess it doesn't have in, in view of God's mercy, but... Because of God's mercy, because God is so merciful. I've got it memorized in NIV, but I took it out of NLT. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, because God has been so merciful, we can actually open up. And, and, and because God has forgiven us. See, that's the thing. We can't, we can't be honest if we don't know that we're loved and forgiven. And that as a community, we have God to forgive us. We can in view of God's mercy, we can open up those things that are shameful, those places where we're wounded. In view of God's mercy, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Oh, there it is. Because of all he's done for you, in view of God's mercy. God's done a lot for you, hasn't he? He sure has. 
And we only know half of it. We only remember a quarter of it. <laughs> but he's done a lot for you. Can you trust him with your body? Can you trust him with your sexual desires? Can you trust him with your desire for a, a deeper relationship with your husband or wife or with somebody who you wish you had a husband or wife? Or Can you trust him to give you good things, whether that's singleness or marriage or family? Because he's done a lot of good things for you. Can you give him your body? Now, this is totally against the world. The world says it's your body. You have every right over it. It's only if you decide and you... He created it, right? He redeemed it. He died for it. He gave his body for your body. Are you willing to give him your body? He certainly deserves it after all he's done for you. Let your bodies be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Worship with my body? My sexual body? There's a way to worship him with all of me? And not just my ideas? He wants heart, mind, soul, strength, body. Um, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Now that's a hard one. It's especially hard if you're spending more time listening to the behavior and customs and stories in, of the world than you are listening to the behavior and customs and culture of God. If you're going to have your media on all the time, feeding you all the stories, and, and listen, media is not even playing fair. Because they, they put stories and music and video that is like stuck in your head and it's not the same as reading the Bible. Although an experience with a real person can be actually very stuck in your head, right? A real conversation with somebody, a real going canoeing with somebody, doing, doing whatever. Um, so don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. We were praying the other day. We were, we were having this image of, of the world flowing along. And I actually think, I kind of feel like even with this sex sermon series, we're just kind of, I'm just kind of throwing an anchor out with a buoy on it. And most of us, it's just enough for us to go, hey, I, that, that's what God wants? I don't, right? <laughs> most of us just flowing along with the world. We don't even notice that we're all flowing the same direction toward that waterfall of destruction, right? But we need a few people who've got the Holy Spirit in their sails, who are actually sailing upstream. Somebody else had the image when we were praying in the, uh, of salmon. Going upstream together. Going upstream, jumping the waterfalls, going upstream, all pushing to get upstream. And yes, there is a world pushing against us. There are some bears. There are some spiritual forces and demons out there trying to catch you out of that water. But we're moving together, upstream, moving toward the place where we're going to give birth again, where we're going to find life again, right? Okay, so 
Don't copy the behavior and custom of this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into it. Moses. Don't take that culture. But let God transform you. Can you let God transform you? Do you believe God can transform you? How? Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Renewing your mind. Can God change the way you think about sex? A lot of us have things we'd like God to change. Can he renew your mind? Yes. Now, we've got some deep ruts and deep tracks that might take a little work to change, right? But we are needing God to transform us. So when you do that, what's the first step? Give your whole body, your whole self to God in view of everything he's done for you. Now, let me stop right there. If you are not ready to give your body and your whole self to God, that's okay. Check out some more of who Jesus is. Heck, check out some more of what he's done for you. Think about it. Think about all he's done for you. And then if you still want to say, well, I'm going to hang out with the knowledge of good and evil and decide what I want, okay. But he's got a tree of life waiting for you. He's done all this so you could have real life. Now, you might have been hurt by the church, by Christians. You might be, find it hard to trust. But I'd encourage you, in view of all he's done for you, to give yourself. And then the next step is don't conform to the behavior and customs of this world. And then let God transform the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Let me tell you something. You cannot know God's will for you as long as you're just asking, hey, what do you want? I'll consider it. Commit yourself to do God's thing. Give him your body. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be renewed and transformed in your mind. Then you'll be able to know God will speak to you through his word, through his people, through your conscience about what the right thing is to do. But he's not going to waste his breath if you're just considering it. He wants a commitment first. If you're not sure about committing, think about, check out what he's done, creating you, redeeming you, giving himself for you, creating a covenant community for you. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now the, the customs of this world are telling you God's will is not good, not pleasing, not perfect. God's trying to keep everything from you. That's what Satan's lie from the beginning. God isn't really good. He's trying to hide something from you, keep you from being. Let me tell you something. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect, but you'll never even know what it is until you give your body to him, until you don't conform to the pattern of this world and you get your mind renewed and transformed from him. Then you'll know what his will is. And let me tell you something. When you walk in it, you're going to find out it's good, pleasing, and perfect. How many of you have found out through years and experience that God's way is good, pleasing, and perfect? Yeah? I have. 
It's been good. It's been pleasing. It's been perfect. But I had to I had to go through the whole process of letting him do it, renewing my mind, not doing the world's way. So let me invite you to that today. Would the worship team come up? I don't know where you're at in this process. Let me ask you a question related to covenant community first. What would one step be for you to enter more into a covenant community? What's one relationship you could do more, you could do something with? Or maybe you just want to rejoice in the covenant community you have. What's a step into covenant community even in your family or in church? Um, And then I want to challenge you with this. I don't know where you're at if you need to be considering what God's done for you, if you need to be giving him your body, giving him your relationships, if you need to be figuring out how you can not conform to the world's weight, not be getting that input all the time, how you can renew your mind. He wants to show you his way. And his way is good. Very good. It's pleasing. It's joy bringing. And it's perfect. And if you're not sure, check out some of the older people around here who've been following God for some decades. Take a peek into their single life or their married life and see what kind of joy, what kind of. Now, people have had hard things, it's not all been wonderful. See how they've dealt with that. Go ask them to tell their story. Because God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. And I've loved watching some of the older people in here for decades. And watch them go through tough stuff. And watch God do stuff in them. And some of you who aren't all that old. I've been watching you too and watching God do stuff in your lives. Um, so let's, let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for all that you've done for us. And thank you that you've given us these bodies as they are. With their sexual abilities and desires and and, minds that are, and bodies that are made for love. Thank you that you've given us a covenant community. Thank you that you've given us opportunities to get to know real people in real ways. I thank you for this church, for the real community that it is, for the ability that you've given us to open up our lives, even if we're a little scared. Thank you for the level of naked and not ashamed that we've found in some relationships here. Lord, I thank you for each one who's here. And I pray, Lord, that they would enter in more deeply into relationship with you, a more committed covenant with you, and a more committed covenant with each other. Show us some place that we can step more fully into making you our only God, more fully into really opening ourselves up to each other and letting other people be in our business. God, we want to give up control. 
Because it turns out we really don't know what to do with our lives, or our bodies, or our money, or our time. We want to give our bodies and our lives to you as an appropriate sacrifice because of all you've done. And we even want to give our bodies and our lives to each other as part of this covenant community. Show us the next step. I'm going to be quiet for just a minute so that the Holy Spirit can speak to you about what that next step might be. Lord, thank you for giving yourself to us. Thank you for giving a community to us. Help us to give ourselves, our bodies, our sexuality, our relationships, everything to you. Help us to become even more the kind of community that you want us to be. We know we, we don't have it in us. This is not something we can conjure up. We can't transform our own minds. We can't resist the pull of the world by ourselves. We want to give you control to do in us what you want to do. Thank you for all that you've done and all you're going to do, both individually, personally with us, in our families, in our relationships, in our church. God, please do your thing with us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me give a benediction and send you on your way. You can stay in worship. You can come and pray. There will be people here to pray with you. Um, if you've got something you want to pray about, let me give a benediction. In the name of the Father who died, who gave him his son for you and who created you. In the name of Jesus who died for you and who, who is your lover. In the name of the Holy Spirit who reconciles you with each other. Go to live justly and love holy this week, wherever you go. Amen.